Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. 46% of Americans expect to leave behind financial obligations when they pass away. So it's crucial to make sure your family is financially protected. Policy Genius helps you find the right life insurance coverage by comparing options from America's top insurers with help from licensed, award-winning agents. Secure your financial future with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get free life insurance quotes in just a few clicks. That's policygenius.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. My name is Clay Newcomb, and I'm the host of the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. I'll also be your host into the world of hunting, the icon of North American wilderness, the bear. We'll talk about tactics, gear, conservation, but we'll also bring you into some of the wildest country on the planet, Chasing Bear. Hey guys, we've got a fantastic episode of the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. You're going to enjoy this one with my good friend, Bernie Berenger, where we're going to talk about the color phase Grand Slam of Bears, which is uh, which is something that Bernie coined several years ago, and he's completed it. We're going to talk about kind of the biology behind color phase bears, where they're at, why they're color phase, and we're going to talk about the, the, the slam. So this is going to be a really nitty-gritty bear episode. I also want to say that the March-April issue of Bear Hunting Magazine is out to subscribers right now. Hey man, we have a stinking amazing magazine. We really do. Bear Hunting Magazine is in its 20th year in print. And we have columns, we have articles, we have how-to stuff, we have adventure stories that cover the full gamut of this extremely diverse critter that we all love to hunt and love to interact with and are just thrilled that lives on this continent. We, we do spot and stalk stuff out west. We do hound hunting stuff. We do bait hunting stuff. We try to cover the full spectrum of bear hunting in North America. Bears live in such diverse places. They're such an adaptable species 
that they, the different geographic regions that they live call for different, very different, very unique types of hunting. And that's the reason there's such a broad opportunity for bear hunting. And that's why that there's so many different methods. And Bear Hunting Magazine, what we want to do is unite bear hunters across North America and also create new bear hunters. And we believe that bears are an iconic North American big game species that is iconic of North American wilderness. The great patriarchs of our hunting heritage here on this continent identified themselves as bear hunters. We're rebranding bear hunting and we are doing it in great fashion inside of Bear Hunting Magazine. You can do me a favor by checking out a subscription at bear-hunting.com. Something that's been on my mind lately is a phrase that I've used in print a few times, and that is what I call passionate authenticity. As we live inside of the modern times and in 2019, it is a difficult thing on the political spectrum to be a bear hunter. And whether you realize it or not, bear hunting, our traditions, our way of life, our way of scientifically managing big game predator species, is under attack. I believe that more than anything, what we can do as individuals inside the hunting community is build this thing that I would call and describe inside of my life as passionate authenticity. And that authenticity comes by us truly understanding the dynamics of scientific wildlife management, understanding our culture, but more importantly, it goes back to an old principle of clean the inside of the cup first and then the outside will be made clean. Basically what I'm saying is, is that we can't preach, we can't say that we are wildlife managers and we respect wildlife and we, we're, we're involved in conservation. We can't like proclaim this powerful message of the North American model of wildlife conservation if behind closed doors and when no one's watching, we are not what we say that we are. And to me, that goes right down even into the utilization of wildlife-related resources. Like, if we say that we're bear hunters and that we eat bear meat, then we really need to, to the best of our ability, utilize bear meat, utilize the wildlife-related commodities that we have. If we, if we talk about getting our, our way of life into the next generation, that can't just be something we tag on Instagram, but like we've actually got to make sacrifices towards doing that. This whole idea that we can't proclaim one thing and be another. I believe that the earth does recognize. I don't care who you are, what nationality you are, people recognize when something and some person is authentic because there's power behind our declaration when we are authentic. There's power behind our life when we are authentic. As hunters, I think we need to graft that deep inside of our philosophy of life and living is that we have to be who we say we are. And that's something that in 2019 I'm focusing on inside of my life is I'm, I'm cleaning up the rough edges of where my proclamation doesn't fit my lifestyle. Hey, switching gears. We're going to jump right into the episode, check out Bear Hunting Magazine, and also check out our new Destined to be a Classic Mule Riding Bear Hunter t-shirt. If this does not fit into your fashion motif, then you're in the wrong fashion motif. 
This shirt is classy and destined to make bear hunters look and feel and be like the gritty conservation-based lifestyle that we all promote. That was bad. Mmm. Check out the shirt. I think you'll like it. Welcome to the Bear Hunting Magazine Podcast. I've got with me a good friend of mine, Bernie Berenger. Bernie, it, look, I'm going to give Bernie an introduction, and then I'm going to let him give his own introduction, and then we're going to talk about the color phase, Grand Slam of Bears. Bernie is, basically Bernie pretty much developed the, this concept of a color phase Grand Slam. So he's going to talk about that. But before we do that, I want to I want to introduce him. Bernie is a you were a former editor, managing editor of Bear Hunting Magazine. Right. You're a freelance writer. Right. You're so you're a full time freelance writer. Right. You're, so you've written for you do whitetail stuff. You do you do everything. Yeah, I, I've written over fifteen hundred magazine articles and right. mostly print over the years. But oh, I've you know I've had to adapt like. You know, adapt or starve, you know. So now yeah. I have a YouTube channel, and I do quite a bit of online writing, too. Yeah, yeah. And Bernie also has a weekly web blast. Yep, it's e-blast. a news blast called Bucks, Bulls, and Bears. And if yeah. you're, you should check, you should subscribe to that. It's, I was trying to describe to Coley what Bucks, Bulls, and Bears was. And, uh, I mean, it's kind of like a conglomeration of everything cool that's going on on the internet around hunting so you might have a youtube video you might have a funny meme you might have links to articles from different places and it's just a fun it's a it's a fun e-blast yeah it's it's really popular it's not trying to sell products uh, yeah i'm I'm really not trying to sell anything and it's free anybody that subscribes they can they can just go to bucksbullsbears.com and subscribe if you get tired of me sending an email every week just unsubscribe you know it's that easy and uh it's just i what i do is i just kind of uh peruse the internet looking for a really good stuff that i think my readers would like to see and i just funnel it to the readers and like you said it's videos stories uh you know, a little bit of humor. So you can kind of stay up with what's going on in the, in at least in the entertainment kind of viral side of internet stuff by going to by watching that weekly web yeah. blast. I, I I really like it. And this is what I was going to say about the introduction, though. A guy like Bernie, he's an entrepreneur and he's a scrapper. It takes it's it's a big commitment and a sacrifice to make to scratch a living out of the outdoor industry and you've done it, it for a long time 30 years yeah. and, and people everybody you know sees people in the outdoor industry and they're like oh man you're living the dream look at you you get to hunt you get to write man it's a lot of work people don't understand the the other side of it which is you still got to pay your bills you got to provide for your family and uh, so that i respect you for that bernie you're a scrapper man you just you, you keep coming up with new stuff you're always looking for some new avenue or venue into into the media world and then you've always done a great job with bear hunting and you're you're Thank an you. author too you're not just a art a magazine writer you've authored how many books uh 18 books 18 books yeah and so you you bernie has a really good way of i mean he's really analytical and you're able to communicate and break down stuff and Thank the you. book that we sell a bunch of years is that is the bear baiters manual right and i mean it's the most comprehensive book that there is about baiting bears I mean, you just you took the time to just just roadmap all these different things, and so anyway, I 
uh, that's the way I describe you as a scrapper and you love hunting. It's all fueled from right. the passion that you have for hunting. Yeah, and, and it's uh, all a, a flight from ever having a real job. That's yeah, what, that's what we're all wife, trying to do. It's like you just do everything you can to have to keep from getting a real job. I yeah. guess, but yeah, well, but it, it it is it is work, and uh, you know I wouldn't have it any other way though. And, and people do sometimes look at me and say, I mean, one guy the other day he says, "What do you do when you're? I mean, do you just hunt all the time?" I said, "No, I have to fish some too." You know, <laughs> and. Uh, but they don't see the hours and hours that I sit in front of the computer, particularly during the winter, and, uh, you know, writing and, and compiling information and researching and all, all that it takes to, to pull this off. But uh, yeah. like I said, I, do, I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a lot of work. And you're from Brainerd, Minnesota. Right. Or that's where you live now. Yeah. Were you originally from Brainerd? Iowa. From Iowa. Okay. Yeah. Moved to Minnesota in 2001. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so... You, uh, you kind of, you had some awesome trail camera videos of that denned bear. Wasn't that pretty close to your house? That was. It was just a couple miles from my house. And, and um, interestingly, it was a buddy of mine who was out snaring fox. And he said, he said, hey, I, you know, was out snaring fox in the snow. I saw this bear track in the snow. So I just followed it and I went to a den. I looked down the den and it's in there. Incredible. And I'm like, where's that at? You know, I got to go see this. And so I went out there and looked at it. And I'm like, I have to put a trail camera on this. So I ended up putting two trail cameras on it, setting on video, and um, the it was really surprising. I, you know, you think a bear, you know, it gets nice in the spring, he just walks out of the den and leaves. Yes. Well, this bear, over the course of about six weeks, when there would be a nice day, he would come out and lay in front of the hole, and he'd scratch and lay there and, you know, mm. um, just stretch a little bit, and he kind of looked drunk when he was stand yeah. in front of the den you know yeah. he's wobbly legged then he'd go back in the den maybe another week he'd come out for a day or, or so again so it was from the time that he first came out of the den the end of february the first time until he left the den for good is about six weeks and wow. i had about 300 covert trail camera videos of this bear and i compiled them into a youtube video it's got about a half a million views yeah that was that was really incredible footage yeah uh not to go down too many rabbit trails, but the other thing that got you going on YouTube too was your moose video. Yeah, I tell, was on tell a, me about that. I was on a bear hunt in uh, British Columbia, and it was a spot and stock bear hunt. And we were going down this uh, logging road and heading back to camp for dinner. And we come around a corner, and here is this cow moose with two newborn calves standing right in the middle of the road. And my, my outfitter, he says. There must be a grizzly or some wolves around here or something like that because she doesn't. She wouldn't get off. The she road. wouldn't get off the road. So we just backed up and backed around the corner. We sat there for ten minutes, knowing that people are at camp or waiting supper for us, but we just didn't know what to do because she's standing right in the middle of the road. So then we uh, we come around the corner again and she's still walking down the road to those calves. So he's like, "I'm gonna see if I can try to get by her." And I'm videoing this, you know. Yeah, so yeah. he he tries to go by on one side and she turns around and just like bluff charges us yeah yeah so we stopped and we wait a little longer and then she gets up a little farther and he's she's kind of off to the other side and he goes i think i'm gonna try to get by her again so this time she turns around and and rams us yeah. i mean she hit us she rammed us three times and uh, finally he had enough room and he hit the gas and then she just chased us like a dog chasing a car for about a quarter mile down the road yeah and i'm like and that video has probably a million and a half views on yeah, youtube yeah. It's how really long did that was it like maybe like a three minute the video is about three minutes but the whole deal was probably 20 minutes okay you know it it, it was just yeah it was kind of incredible footage because you 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 weren't 
you couldn't figure out why she wouldn't get out of the road. Yeah, and he but, he was he became convinced that there was some kind of predator that was nearby, and that's why she wouldn't lead those newborn calves into the bush. Wow. So well, that's just an example of of how you know guys like us that are creating outdoor content just utilize anything and everything we can, and that's what I've seen you do over the yeah. years. Is just you know like the trail camera photos with the bear in the den i mean that's really unique footage and then that moose deal was cool but you also have a ton of other just like how to yeah there's about 150 videos videos. on there a lot of it's how you know bear hunting stuff a lot of it's bear hunts some pretty fascinating hunts on there yeah yeah Yeah. it's 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 fun to do and and uh you know it's just another way it's just another small income stream you know another way to keep from getting a real job well you've always I mean, you, you've always been a whitetail hunter. I mean, you've hunted a lot of big game, but you've always you've always loved bears, focused on bears at some level. And I mean, you're you're a veteran bear hunter, veteran right. bear hunter. Um, so, and and that's why you're one of the columnists in our magazine. But uh, so what we what we primarily wanted to talk about with this is just this last spring, right? Bernie completed. The color phase grand slam of bears. Um, maybe before we talk about the color phase grand slam, let's talk about color phase bears. Okay. So, so for for people who who maybe are from the south or from the east part of the country, they've seen black bears that are not black, mm-hmm. but maybe they've not known the full story. So you know, there's one. There there are three species of bear in North America: black bear, Ursus americanus. Grizzly bear, or the brown bear. Well, technically, it's a subspecies, but right. the brown bear and grizzly bear. I don't know. I don't remember the scientific names of those. And then polar bear. And, right. the, and the coastal brown bear is is a bear that lives along the coast of Alaska. The grizzly would be considered an interior black bear. But black bears have color phases, which means you can have a black bear that's not black. Right. And so, talk to me about color phase bears and where they're at. Yeah, the, the interesting thing is there's lots of scientific theories on why all black bears are not black, but nobody really knows for sure. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing is also that 99% probably of black bears that are black are east of the Mississippi River. So all, almost all of the color phase bears, like you get up in the northwestern Minnesota, you start seeing some chocolates. Western Ontario, there's a few chocolates. Um, if you draw a line basically along the Mississippi River, then you know in Arkansas and Oklahoma you got a few chocolates, but right. you know I don't know if you ever see a cinnamon down there. Um, maybe once, extremely rare. But the farther you go west, the more common, especially in the mountains. If you go in the Rocky Mountains, there's areas where 60% of the bears are not black. For instance, Colorado. Right. I, I think I've heard higher percentages of that. Like yeah. Colorado bears, like there's, a. I want to say eighty percent of yeah, Colorado there's probably bears pockets where aren't, yeah. aren't black. You know. Well, interestingly, um, because they're in, they're mostly in the mountains. One of the scientific theories is that these bears have adapted because they're they're in the sun a lot more, and so yes. black is not the best color so for open them. Open so. canopy translates into biologic advantage, and so yeah. they're over the course of. But Eons, yeah, they've adapted to have a lighter color. That's that's one of the theories. But there's a lots of there's quite a bit of 
incidental evidence, I guess you would say, that that can't be true either because if you go to parts of Manitoba and Saskatchewan and Alberta that are thick forested areas, they got color-faced bears. So nobody really knows why for sure, but that's where they're found. There's, you know, I hunted color-faced bears a lot in the western part of Manitoba, and the Duck Mountains and Riding Mountains are pockets of good color-faced bears with quite a few blondes, chocolates, and cinnamons. And cinnamons are basically a red tint to the chocolate kind of hey before you get into that because that's where exactly where i want to go i just want to re-emphasize that in the eastern united states there are basically let's just say for all practical purposes zero color phase bears right like if you were in north carolina i mean there might be the odd bear that kind of had a tinge of chocolate or something but i mean you could pretty much say there are no color phase bears in the Appalachian Mountains. Right. There'll, there'll be an albino bear. I've seen where they've killed an albino white bear in Pennsylvania. Um, but so the the further west you get, because it goes from zero percentage color phase bears, all bears are black. The further you get west, you get into Arkansas, and we have about our our biologists say that we've got twenty percent color phase bears in Arkansas, right. which I don't. I haven't seen that 100%, but I do know about every bait that I put out, I'll have a color phase bear. And they're usually uh, kind of a dark chocolate. Right. But you'll get the odd bear that's lighter. And I've got some trail camera pictures from Arkansas of a bear that's darn near blonde. It wouldn't be blonde. It would probably be a, a cinnamon. Yeah. But only in the summer. By the time we were hunting that bear, he would probably darken up some. And then, so the western United States... In Western Canada is where color phase bears are, but I just, I just wanted to reiterate how clear it is. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's like the black bears are here, and there's still black bears in these other places, but there's also usually ten to thirty percent color phase in many regions. Yeah, a lot of outfitters will say they have thirty to forty percent color phase bears. That some of them. It's pretty optimistic for some of them, but yeah. you know, having hunted all over Canada, I got a pretty good idea where the best spots are, and yeah. you know, that that's why I kept going back to the Duck Mountains because two reasons: number one, I had an outfitter, Tom Ainsworth with Grand View Outfitting, who understood my passion to try to shoot all four color phase bears. So he would, he was trying to work with me. He was right. putting cameras out trying to find a blonde bear for me. So yeah. that was one of the things. Plus, he's in an area that has the blonde bears, and um, so that's the Duck Mountains. And uh, then, you know, you get back to the far west. Uh, if you look at the coast of British Columbia and Alaska, they don't have they don't have color, color phase bears. Yep. Now there's a Kermode bear and a glacier bear that has kind of a grayish blue tint to it. Um, that's the a glacier com- bear has the gray, it looks like a blue tick hound. It does. It is, yeah, it's kind of a frosty, frosty gray silver. Yeah. It's a spectacular bear. Yeah, but and, for all practical purposes, there are basically four. We, you know, I, I guess I'm the one that sat down and said, if we're going to have a grand slam, there needs to be four. Right. So uh, the grand slam is. So tell me the colors, just one. Black, one. chocolate, cinnamon, and blonde. Black, chocolate, yeah, cinnamon, and, and blonde. And if you look at, there's bears that vary some, and some are a little lighter on the back, and they have darker legs or whatever. Right. But if you look at every bear, you could pretty much say that would go in this category, that would go yes. in this category, and things like that. So those, that it works out well that way. Yeah. So, and that's a good. That would be something that you talk about with the color phases. That like 
not all you know there's there's all these variations in between all those colors but usually you'd look at a bear and say that one's blonde that one's chocolate you know you're able to right. decide what it is um yeah. and so so everybody has heard about the grand slam of wild sheep they've heard about you know they there's a grand slam for the turkeys or, or what do they call it for turkeys they call it Grand Slam. Yeah, they call it a Grand Slam. And then, and then uh, there's a there's now a Whitetail Slam right. that they were promoting a few years ago, and uh, and so any any time that there's a, I mean, it was just kind of a neat deal to just think about because here's the, here's the truth is that in bear hunting, color faced bears are the top of the heap. That's right. that's what people want to take. Yeah. I mean, that's a any kind of anything that's different inside a species of animal that you could that would just be something unique all of a sudden becomes something desirable and so bears what's so unique about bears too a lot of people don't realize that's one of the broadest variations of any big game animal that we hunt sure i mean like if you think about it from that perspective i mean like a moose like yeah there's different characteristics for their antlers but all moose look like moose all whitetails and that's a that's probably the worst example but I mean, a whitetail looks like a whitetail, except his horns are different. But point being, that the bear that you killed this year in Saskatchewan, I mean, just like a bleach blonde bear, yeah. and we're going to get into the whole story of that one, doesn't even look like the same species right. of animal. And to me, that's what's so unique is it's such a broad spectrum of what you would call phenotype, uh, mm-hmm. which phenotype would be the, the external representation of genes you know the there, mm-hmm. there's a uh, well that's what you call it, the, the the external part of an animal that represents what he is and so it's like a broad broad spectrum and so right. that's what makes it fun so yeah. everybody wants to kill a color face bear everybody wants to kill a color face bear. if you if you talk to people who bear hunt quite a bit um usually they just it's the second most uh, sought after animal other than whitetail or the, I guess the best way to put it is for people who choose they people mostly start hunting deer that, right. that's how they, they're big it's game the animal. most available it's big the most game available animal in North America. the second when when people go for a second animal it's the black bear that's the number one second big game because animal that people they go are for. one of the most widely distributed big game animals in North America right I mean, and if you're looking for a little bit more adrenaline, why not go try to shoot something that can kill you? Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> they're probably yeah. not going to, but they could, and that makes a difference. Yeah. And what I, what I say, people say, what is it about bear hunting that's so fascinating? I said, here's one of the things. Um, if you're whitetail, if you're deer hunting, you, you might see a deer coming across the field, or you might see him, you might hear him coming through the leaves, crunch, 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 or something like that. And you see him from a distance, and you know they're coming. But most bear hunting is done in thick cover, and bears are silent. And all of a sudden, poof, there's a bear, and he's right there in front of you. Yeah, and yeah. he's a predator. He yeah. could mess you up if he wanted. He probably won't. But yeah. the whole adrenaline value of bear hunting is so much greater than deer hunting for that reason. Yeah. It, it's a whole different experience. You know, people, people that have never bear hunted need to try it because it, it's a whole different experience hunting a large predator and and you're also hunting an animal from a challenge perspective that's different because if you think about it most parts of north america where we're deer hunting have deer populations that are upwards of 20 to 30 deer per square mile and up yeah. even i mean so you're hunting an animal that there's a lot of 
so you're seeing a lot of these animals. A high population of bears is like one bear per square mile. Yeah. So and when you when you think about it from a challenge standpoint, you're you're really hunting an at you're hunting a predator that has lower densities than ungulates, and it can be a real challenge. Especially now we hunt over bait a lot, and when we're hunting over bait, we're trying to be selective. We're trying to target a certain type of animal, whether it be color phase or an older mature male. And so we are seeing a lot of animals, but spot and stalk stuff, I mean, it's a super challenge to bear. Yeah. And the and another thing that relates to that is the fact that the bears don't live in the suburbs, really. Right. Like, you know, you have to go to places where bears live, and that's part of the fun. That's, yeah. you know, you got to go to the wild places. That's right. So. Yep. Yep. I, I love to say it, and I say it all the time is that bears are iconic of North American wilderness. Yeah. I mean, they're an indicator species. Where you have bears, you have an ecosystem that's in fairly good order mm-hmm. and in fairly Balance. natural order because they're at the top of the food chain. And if that top animal is thriving, it means that everything else beneath it is is going good. You know, So it's an indicator animal. But there's all kind of really unique things about, about bear hunting. But so... And the color face thing is one of them. So tell me about how. Just give us a little story about how you started well, the color phase grand slam, and then and then you can walk us through the different. Well, yeah. specifically the last one because that was kind of the story. That was the main story. Yeah. Well, uh, it it actually happened at an archery trade show here about eight years ago, where a former owner before you bought it, Jeff Folsom, and I were here at the show, and we rode down from the uh, from Minnesota together, and on the way home. You know, we were talking about ways, how can we grow the sport of bear hunting? What can we get? What what would bear hunters be enthusiastic about? And we, I said, we need a grand slam, you know, like the sheep or something right. like that. So we talked a little bit about, you know, a polar bear, a brown bear, a black bear, and a grizzly. And it's like, you know, it'd probably cost you $60,000 to go hunt those four. That's out of reach for most people. But right. then I, you know, then I got to thinking about the uh, four different color phases of black bears. I said, what if we did a, a black bear grand slam for all four color phases? And the minute it came out of my mouth, I knew I had to be the You're one. Like, this to, is uh, a good uh, idea. Yeah. And Jeff, it, it, Jeff says, well, I, I do know a couple people have, have done it with a gun. I said, do you know of anybody that's ever done it with a bow? <laughs> and he says, I don't. I really don't. Uh, that doesn't mean it. there's no record-keeping organization or anything, so we don't right. know for sure. But I don't, I don't know if anybody's done it with a bow. So, you know, we mentioned it in the magazine a couple times, and nobody stepped forward and said, I've done that with a bow. Yeah. So at this point, I still don't know if anybody else but me has ever done it. But, yeah. um, you know, so that's what started it, and I, I just started going on. And so at that time, you would have already killed two of the color phases. Yeah, Is I, that right? my, the, my first bear in 99 was a chocolate okay. in northwest Minnesota. And then I'd killed several blacks, do-it-yourself hunts mostly. Yeah. And uh, being with Bear Hunting Magazine gave me an avenue to go to out because outfitters will call Bear Hunting Magazine and say, you know, they're, they're looking for free publicity. They're saying, come hunt with me and write a story about it, you know. Yeah, yeah. And um, so it gave me an outlet to choose good areas to go to try to find color face bears. Yeah. And uh, I, I went to Idaho. Um, and uh, in British Columbia, had a really close call. I could have killed a gorgeous cinnamon bear mm. on the first night of the hunt. And um, it was 60 yards away, and there was a, a 
stream that was swollen by snow melt and we couldn't get any closer and my guide just is like you know that is a gorgeous bear it's it's to this day it's the most beautiful red cinnamon i'd ever seen mm. and he wanted me to take my rifle and shoot that bear because he knew how good a publicity it would be uh, for him and i'm just like you know i'm committed to doing this with a bow, bow and yeah. it's my first day well i ended up on that hunt shooting the 42nd bear i saw wow. and it was a black one um but it was a great hunt uh, with uh, Eureka Peak Outfitters. Well, so it, it went like that quite a bit. I went on a lot of hunts and had some close calls. It ended up getting a cinnamon bear in uh, 2014 with Thunder Mountain Outfitters in, uh, in Saskatchewan. There. They're near south of LaRange, Saskatchewan. So, yeah. I, so then I had the cinnamon. Well, then, you know, the interest in this really started to ramp up, and I started thinking there's you know, this is getting a fair amount of publicity. There might be somebody else out there that's got three of them that's going to try to beat me to the <laughs> punch here, you know. So now I'm, I'm, I'm really kind of ramping it up. I'm doing like three hunts a year. Um, had a couple more close calls. Had a blonde bear in front of me in Manitoba with Tom Ainsworth. Yeah. And the bear just did not give me a shot. And he yeah. wa- he just walked he walked away. And I'm like, well, it's the first day of a six-day hunt. I'm going to see this bear again. Well, the third day this bear came back and he walked he came in directly downwind and he didn't even get to the barrel when he smelled us and he just turned and and Mm. left and so um that was a close call with a a nice blonde bear then um a couple other times that we had blondes on camera that just we couldn't close the deal and uh, then in 2018 i hunted tom sold the business to todd at Baldy Mountain Outfitters now, uh-huh. Todd Wolgamuth owns it, and he yeah. runs it as Baldy Mountain Outfitters, and um, you know he runs ads in Bear Hunting Magazine all the time. So if you want to contact him, it's it's very easy to do, and he's done a really good job with it. And he's just it's an excellent area to hunt. Yeah. So Todd basically made, I mean, he like kind of took over the reins and said, "I'm going to figure out how to get Bernie a blonde bear," you know. Yeah. Well. In 2018, I went up, booked a trip the 1st of May. Well, it was a late spring, and the lakes are still frozen up, and there was there was some snow still in the bush, and the the hunting was bad. I mean, a lot of the bears that were just starting to come out of their dens, and they weren't um, they weren't feeding much. So I'm just like, you know, I'm just going to have to kill a representative bear and get a story out of this. Well, it's like the third day. You know, we're in the cabin in the morning, and uh, Todd just bursts in. He's got an SD card, and he says, stick this in your laptop. <laughs> and sure enough, he's got a blonde bear on a bait. Mm. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So I, I know where I'm going to spend the rest of my week. Yeah. Well, so I went out there, and uh, it just it's just one of those kind of nightmare deals where the, the blonde bear was a kind of a 150, 160-pound female. And there's other bears around that were just harassing her because the rut's getting, you know, is is it's just starting to, she's starting to smell good, I guess is the way to put it. Yeah. And she's being chased all over the place. And the first day she was there, off and on for an hour, I never got a shot. And she, when she would come in, she's so nervous that she would just lay down, take a few bites of the bait. And I would draw my bow, try to get a shot. And I drew my bow four times on her. And by the end of that night, when I didn't get that bear, I was not in a great frame of mind. You know, I'm usually pretty calm and cal- I've shot a lot of bears with a bow. So you would think yeah. that, you know, if there's a, such a thing as buck fever, um, I, I was my decision making ability was going downhill, I guess. is That's the way <laughs> I like to put it. OK, yeah. so the next day, the same thing happened again. She came in and uh, 
um, I, I drew on her and I almost shot and then she bolted out of there. And I'm just like, you know, my, I'm really getting frustrated and start to panic really, because I'm thinking here, all these years I've been trying to get a blonde. I got one right in front of me and I can't get a shot. Can't get a shot. So she came back and the same thing happened. And I, um, I, I just got in a situation where I just rushed the shot and I just really blew it, hit the bear high in the shoulder blade and it got pretty good penetration. We had a pretty good blood trail and we followed the blood trail that afternoon and to, to a point where it just disappeared. And I've never seen a blood trail that good. Just stop. We, Todd and I were literally looking in the trees around us trying to figure out if she went up a tree or something. It's like you lifted her out of there with a helicopter. Wow. And, uh, so we came back the next morning with, uh, Everybody in camp came out to try to help me find this bear, you know, and we never did find it. And just, I mean, it was the lowest point in my hunting career. So when, um, the, in the first week, it's a bad feeling. Isn't it, it? it is. There's nothing like Especially it. I'll tell you what. You're trying to do something, what you're, what you're like, what you're trying to do, and had this specific, very specific goal. Yeah. That's hard to find because that's, that's the point of what you're saying here is that it's hard to target. A blonde bear. Yeah, I mean, probably probably less than two percent of bears are blonde. You know, yeah. you think about it. And probably and, less than that. Yeah, really. If you're talking about the total yeah. bear population in North America, yeah, you know, maybe up in that certain region, maybe one percent of them would be blonde. But yeah, yeah. well, so um, I had a trip booked the first week in June um, to go to Northern Saskatchewan, which would have been a month after this trip. And interestingly, I had met Mark Bellchamber. He's with Big Spruce Outfitting at a, uh, uh, sports show in Minneapolis. And, uh, I just noticed that on his banner behind his booth, he had a, you know, he had a bunch of pictures of people with bears and one of them was blonde. So I stopped and talked to him a little bit and he opened up his uh, photo album. And I'm like, you got quite a few blonde bears in this photo album. I guess you got blonde bears. And he goes, yeah. And uh, so I got to talking to him, and he um, he became pretty convinced right away that he was going to book me. I mean, he just mm-hmm. he did, well the um, so we kind of talked for about a year back and forth. He started texting me pictures of blonde bears, and and um, the next year at the same show, then I I really talked to him and I said, okay, you know, let's get serious about this. And he says, I want to get Saskatchewan tourism involved because they have. Uh, a lot of, uh, thank you. He, they have a lot of uh, interest in bringing bear hunters through Saskatchewan tourism. So he says, I want to get them involved. So if you get a blonde bear, they they can benefit from the publicity. So um, they paid for my flight and everything to get up there. Yeah. Well, um, so I end up going to. This is an elite hunt, really, because it's way the heck up there. It's it's right just south of the border of Northwest Territories. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I drove to Saskatoon, but then flew from there, and they stop at a couple of small communities, this little plane. It's one of these planes where every every seat's a window seat, you know. Yeah. And I think there's yeah. eight people on it. And uh, then we landed a landing strip of a uranium mining company. There's not even a town there. It's just wow. a uranium mining company owns a landing strip. And from there... Um, he's got these uh, little Suzuki Samurai truck things. You know what they look mm, like? And they the have a, yeah. yeah, he's got a lift kit in them and stuff like that. And it's a 22-mile ride, like a four-wheeler ride in one of those, out to where you get in a boat, and then you boat out to his camp on an island. So this wow. is, it's quite an wow, endeavor to get cool. there. Well, when I, when I landed at this uh, landing strip, 
uh, float plane comes up and, and lands right there, and there's four other people standing out on the dock. And I walk down there, and I say, you guys bear hunting? They're like, yeah, we're going out to hunt at Big Spruce Outfitting with Mark. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm, he's coming. To, he's supposed to be coming to get me in uh, this this samurai thing. And they're like, oh, if you're going out there with them, why don't you just jump in with us and ride in a float plane? It'll take you 15 minutes instead of two and a half hours. I'm like, I'm all over that, you know. Yeah. So, and one of the, one of the guys uh, was uh, – formerly played his alignment for the Minnesota Vikings and just a mm. big mountain of a guy. And he was, you know, really so fun. in the same state as you. Yeah. Minnesota. Yeah. And yeah. All, actually all of them were from Minnesota. Okay. Yeah. And okay. Uh, so anyway, we get out there and um, it was, it, it, I was really, really concerned about his style of baiting because it's so hard to get out there that he hardly he it's very difficult to get bait to these sure. bears. Yeah, it's a and logistical his, issue. Yeah, well, so they he he feeds like a coffee can of oats and dog food a day, huh. and that's all he feeds. And I'm like, man, you know, these bears got to be really irregular. And he says, I believe what happens because there's just really nothing else for these bears to eat in the spring up there. You know, they might find a dead caribou or moose right, or something right. like that, but other than that, there's nothing. There's no grass clover yeah. nothing for him to yeah. feed on it's all moss yeah and um so he says what happens is the more bigger mature aggressive males tend to just kind of take over the bait sites and then when you bait you know usually they show up within he said we bait every day and they usually show up within a couple hours huh. so um i'm like okay well i guess we'll see if this works or not well he goes and um he kind of splits up the hunters among the guides and the plan for the morning was we're going to go check the you know going to go run the baits check the cameras and then we're going to come back and do some fishing and have a shore lunch and then after shore lunch we'll sit down and decide how you know who's going to hunt where and stuff like that and we'll spend the rest of our afternoon hunting so we go out there well we're going to check three baits well we pull up to the second one and he pulls a card out of the trail camera and sticks it in his viewer and he's like oh there's a blonde bear here and uh i look at the picture and it's a little like 150 pound female and i really you know, I really want to shoot a blonde bear, but I really want it to be something I can really be proud of, you know. Right. So yeah. I'm kind of tossed between do I do I really shoot a 150-pound female if she comes in. And then he keeps scrolling through the pictures, and he goes, oh, there's a bigger one here. And mm. and I said, so well, two blonde bears. there's two blonde bears on this wow. bait. And I'm like, hey, um, you know, when was he here? So he's going through the picture, and he goes, Oh, he was just here, and I said, "Forget shore lunch. Uh, can I start hunting right now?" Yeah. You know, and he wasn't he like eight minutes, like wasn't it like eight? Minutes? It was like eight minutes before. So I mean, it wasn't like he was here like yesterday or no, even he that had, morning. Yeah, had, y'all few, ran him off the bait. Yeah, basically, he he probably had come in to check the bait, and when just before we pulled up. So he was close. It, and matter of fact, that after I shot the bear, I'll get ahead of myself a little bit. When we followed, oh no, the, you just told him you shot the bear. Oh yeah, <laughs> but when we followed the blood trail, it went right to a bed that was thirty yards, four, thirty-five yards. He from, may have been sitting there from the barrel. So I think Mark's theory that the bigger male bears just kind of take over a bait. That bear just basically lived there. Huh. So huh. anyway, long. I got to get back to where I was at here. The so he says, yeah, you can hunt right now. So I go down to the boat. I grab my uh, uh, my bow and my backpack and cameras and all this stuff, and I'm, I haul a big load of stuff up there to uh, a ground blind. And you have to realize that that far north, there's very few trees that are big enough that you can put a tree stand right. in. Most it's, trees are under six inches at 
yeah the base exactly so yeah. so basically what they've done is put a pile of brush up there and set a chair behind it and that's that's where you're going to hunt from well i got uh i got settled in there kind of and i started digging through my stuff and i i pulled my uh, tr- covert scouting camera out of my backpack and i like to put them on video and go attach them to a tree right uh, by the bait in hopes of getting a second angle when i'm trying to video so i walk up to the bait and i'm standing there going let's see which tree is good and all of a sudden i caught movement out of the corner of my eye and i look over and here is that big blonde bear and he's 15 yards away and he's just walking at me like i'm not even right there wow. so i'm just like gasp i'm back up i'm just backpedaling right into the blind now is your bow up here at this point my bow is still in the case in the in the boat in no in the blind, in the blind. Okay. yeah okay um so at that point, I was just like, you know, I got to get a hold of Mark because he's down in the blind looking for a boat cushion for me to sit on on this chair, you know. So I hollered down at him. I said, the bear is here. And he's like, what? And he's like, jeez. Yeah. And the bear stopped, looks at him, then looks back at me. And he looks at the ground there where the oats are, you know. And he just he's just kind of eyeballing me. And so um, he just walk, the, eventually he just walks right up to the bait. And um, then I'm digging through my backpack. And when I was in the airport in Saskatoon, they had dumped my backpack. They had pulled everything out of my backpack. And then they just threw it all back in there. Well, uh, I, my plan was before I go out to the tree stand, I was going to go through and organize it all. Well, that all went out the window. So I'm sitting there. I cannot find my release. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I finally found my release. I got the camera on the tripod got it rolling and everything like that and i looked over and here's mark he had walked part way up from the boat and he's videoing this bear with his phone and uh so i just knocked an arrow and i looked and the bear's broadside i can see his ribs perfectly so that was that it's, it's time yeah. and eight, eight years of trying to get a blonde bear and i got one in the first five minutes of the hunt it was, i never sat down wow it's just crazy and it was what was neat about it is that a lot of color phrase bears that people kill are seem to be younger bears i mean you don't to be honest that's probably the biggest it's the biggest true bleach blonde bear that i've seen i mean all the other ones i've seen have been lesser bears and i don't i don't really understand that completely because it I guess it's just such a small segment of the population, just not as many of them make it to maturity. Yeah. And not as many of them that make it to maturity, you know, are going to be in places where we're hunting. I yeah. Mean, so it's just a... Uh, well, I agree with that. And also in the in the outfitters that have blonde bears and people, they're more likely to shoot a, shoot a bear if it's a color, if, yeah. even when it's a little smaller, just, just because, they, you know, just not as many of them get to be yeah. mature like this one does. But this is a big old mature male. Well... And, and in this part of the world where you're hunting, very little hunting pressure. I mean, yeah. like the way Bernie described that, how that bear acted. You know, for somebody that's not baited bears, if you did that in Minnesota or did yeah. it in Arkansas, that that wouldn't have happened. I mean, that bear wouldn't have. He that bear had never up. seen a human being before. No, yeah. no doubt in my mind, he ne- he didn't know what a person was. Yeah. You know, he looked at me like you know it's moving, but what is that? You know. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the disorienting thing about hunting these true wilderness bears that just have not interacted with people is that they they have no respect for you. I mean, they're curious yeah. more than anything about yeah, you, but just, they, you know they tend to look at something that moves as that that might be something to eat. Yeah, you for know, real. <laughs> yeah, and so. it's it's kind of unnerving, but that's what's that's the beauty of hunting northern Saskatchewan, like where you were. 
in these really it, I, w- I would consider what you did there with uh with mark like a you know an adventure bear hunt mm-hmm. i mean flying in a float plane getting that far north i mean the the wildest the furthest that I have ever been from civilization has been in northern Saskatchewan, yeah. even more so than Alaska. And you're you're hunting with basically the next outfitter over from where I'm hunting, yeah. and they're 150 miles apart. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's how much the the nearest town to where we were is Wollaston Lake, which is over 100 miles. Yeah, I'll be darned. So, well, that's some spectacular country, and it's a uh, it's spectacular. Not like the Rocky Mountains are spectacular. It's spectacular because of just how wild and remote it is. All that, uh, I don't know what the name of that moss is, but that like reindeer moss. Yeah. It's just this, it almost, when you're hunting up there, it feels like you're hunting on a different planet. Yeah. Trees are small. It's the boreal forest. The Canadian shield is a strip of granite that goes across like all of northern Canada. And once you hit that, like this is the way I understand the geography of Canada. Southern Canada is like, farm ground rich mm-hmm. soils uh and there's a lot of agriculture and then when you get to about northern to the middle part of the provinces you run into that canadian shield which it's is granite granite yeah. outcropping so you see a lot of yeah all the top all their topsoil got pushed by glaciers down into southern canada that's okay. what happened well, that, basically, that's probably you know? right yeah the glaciers scraped and so anyway the boreal forest i'm just kind of talking about it, the topography of it but you you have these jack pines and spruce that are yep. at most six inches at the base. And it's uh, the only things up there in northern Saskatchewan is going to be, well, black bear would probably be the most plentiful animal up there. There's black bear, moose, wolf, and the odd caribou. That would be the only big game animals really up there. Yeah. There's no white-tailed deer. There's no There's no beavers. That's what blew me away. Really? Now, see, I didn't know that. Th- that lake has no beavers on it. And huh. I said, I can't believe there's no beavers up. And he says, what are they going to eat? There, there's no willows or anything like that to speak of. There's nothing for beavers to eat. So, you know, usually usually when you're in Canada, every lake has beavers in it. But yeah. they're they're not there. because they, And plus, you know, the winters are so long that they get four feet of ice. And a beaver lodge built on a shoreline or in a swamp or something like that, it's going to freeze to the bottom so they can't come out of there. You know, I think you could say that wherever a beaver couldn't live, a human probably shouldn't live. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's about why right. there's no major cities yeah. in northern Canada. <laughs> I, I loved it up there, but I, I, li- I like it in the summer. Uh, yeah, they have some spectacular summers. Well, hey, this, this, this blonde bear that you took completed the color face grants right and you are i mean i guess it could be i mean you're the first guy to do it that's done it inside of media and documented right and with a bow yeah with a bow and um um so it's just it's just kind of a fun angle to look at bear hunting because a lot of guys would kill a bear and be like well i've killed a bear i don't want to go bear hunting again you know this kind of gives a new venue to look at it so you know even if you if even if a guy didn't set out to do the color phase grand slam maybe he would maybe just be like hey i want i'd like to kill a blonde bear yeah maybe that's his goal and it kind of is fun when you do it like that but you can watch the video of your hunt on your, your yeah, bow hunting road if you go to youtube and search for bow hunting road you'll come up with my youtube bow channel hunting road so right. type that in youtube you can see the moose video you can see the bear in the den video and you what's the color face bear video called oh uh, it's probably it's called uh 
something to do with Grand Slam. I guess I don't remember exactly what I called yeah. it. Color Face Grand Slam. Yeah. It yeah. has the word blonde in it somewhere, I think. Yeah, it probably does, yeah. Well, I did two bear. videos. One, I just did the video of the, the hunt where I took the blonde bear, and then I did another longer video. It's like a 30-minute video where I walked people through each of the four and showed footage from each of the four okay. different bears that I shot. So okay. there's two different ones on there. Yeah. Well, that's really neat. And, uh, um, yeah, yeah I, I would just, I, I would just encourage people to go do it. You know, it, it's a challenge. And even if you, if you, even if you aren't going to do the grand slam, just go try to shoot a color face bear or, you know, just continue to bear hunt and challenge yourself through bear hunting there. You know, you got color face bears. Another kind of a milestone is a, is a Boone and Crockett bear. Another yeah. milestone might be a 500 pound bear. You know, right. every, everybody talks about deer. Like, you know, I always wanted to shoot a 150 or want to shoot a 170 or a 10 pointer or yeah. whatever, you know, bear, bear hunting has that too. If you just look for what That's the challenges right. are and, you know, challenge yourself to go do it and don't be afraid to try something really new and difficult. And, you know, it's like uh, Donnie Vincent said in one of his videos, he said, if you want to experience fantastic things, you have to put yourself in fantastic places. And that's, yeah. you can really do that with bear hunting. Yeah, for sure. Well, hey, thanks for being on the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. I'm sure we'll do this again. You can read Bernie's column every month or every other month in our magazine. He writes a bow hunting column. And, uh, yeah, check out Bear Hunting Magazine. For the big fish in the small pond, only bear hunting magazine in the world. Do you know we've been in print for 20 years this year? Oh, I, yeah, that's cool. Yep. This, yeah. is the, this is bear hunting magazine. I think we're, I must have wrote for about the first issue. Year. Did you really write? Uh, uh, 2000, 2000 was the first year I wrote an article for him. Well, that's that's when it started. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So you've probably been in there every year since then, probably. Just about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, 20th year bear hunting magazine. So check out our, our print magazine. And I, I keep trying to tell people that have never actually picked up the magazine it's a nice magazine it is and I'm, I'm, it's quality paper biased, and everything Bernie. i may be a little biased but good quality paper good quality yeah good quality uh just content and we we work like crazy to really bring the best bear hunting content in the world to people yeah. i think we're i think we're doing it well nobody else is doing anything like it you're yep. you're the best because you're just about the only one <laughs> hey man i'd rather be i'd rather be that than I'd rather be lucky than good you ever get that feeling the walls closing in the concrete jungle suffocating you you crave some wide open spaces the chance to connect with nature maybe in a spot all your own we'll head over to land.com They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today.